amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time to take a look at the film with a man who hosts Blewett's Blitz over at JetsXFactor.com. This is X and O Quick Hits, Mr. Joe Blewett. Joe, what's going on, buddy? Uh, nothing. I'm glad to be back. I'm, I'm glad that you uh, you just you know poured your heart out to me before this and, and saying how much you missed me. So you know, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad to be back for you, Scott. <laughs> Joe, I always miss you. But as we know, the streets of New Jersey need you more than I do, unfortunately. So that's why you were gone for the last couple of weeks. You were keeping the streets of New Jersey safe. But now you're back to talk about some Jets film. And let's start with the offensive line and the running game. Now, Joe, Frank Gore went out of this game early in concussion protocol. Thankfully, he's going to be okay. And you will too, generally, when you get hurt. But if somebody else causes your injury due to negligence, it can be a life-changing event. And when that happens, you want a strong legal team fighting for you to make sure you receive full compensation for your injuries. You want to be able to call your legal team whenever you want. You don't want your file to be on a shelf with hundreds of others. And you don't want your lawyers to be afraid to go to court. Here's what you do want. The legal 
team at Faruqi and Faruqi. They give every client their personal cell phone number to call 24-7. They limit the number of clients they represent at one time so they can give you ample personal attention. And they've got a long track record of taking on insurance companies, corporations, and the government in court. And most importantly, a long track record of winning. Prior results do not guarantee similar outcomes. Learn more about them by going to nylegalteam.com. That's nylegalteam.com. And Joe, as I said, Frank Gore going out early with that injury. He was in concussion protocol. And so Ty Johnson and Josh Adams came in and got the lion's share of the carries, and they kicked butt. Best rushing performance the Jets have had in over two years. In fact, Ty Johnson, the first Jet to rush for over 100 yards since November of 2018. That was Isaiah Crowell. And I think we can see by looking at the film, Joe, that a big part of the reason that they were able to be successful was because they ran behind Mekhi Becton. Imagine that. Yeah, um, like you said, uh, obviously, you know, hope Frank Gore is okay. Uh, concussions suck. I, I can tell you from personal experience, they definitely are not are not the most fun thing, and especially a guy who's as good of a dude as, as Frank Gore is. Um, and, you know, with that being said, you kind of want him back because clearly the Jets running backs can um, produce a little bit more than he can because they have more explosions, so you definitely want to see him back just for tank purposes. And it's funny, you know, you, like if I, if I sat you down a year ago, Scott, and said, you know, it's not going to be – Le'Veon Bell, who gets 100 yards these next two years, is going to be Ty Johnson. Like you're, <laughs> you probably slapped me and, and you know and kicked me off your show. So um, yeah, it's it's you know at least it's a young guy rushing because this is a guy who could be a depth piece. And and the, really the difference was that, you know they did have some times where they had some nice contact balance. You know you have Ty Johnson who has um, obviously some good bursts and good open field speed. So that was nice to see. Um, so they made a guy uh, miss here and there, you know, both him and Josh Adams. They both did a, a relatively good job, but it was more the offensive line than really the running backs. And, you know, both Becton and Elfline, uh, Elfline did a you know terrible job in a couple of pass protection plays. And there was actually one run play where it was a zone to the left and he actually like bucket stepped to the right. And then mid play, you can realize he, it's like, oh shit moment. And he goes back to the left. So he completely screwed up the play call. Um, it's very evident on film. So, he definitely has a ton of things to work on, but Elfline, in terms of like his, um, he had a lot of want to this game. Um, definitely was driving guys out of the play and things like that. You know, hit a couple of good um, technical aspects of his game too, in terms of like scooch technique. You know, getting his hands in the, in the right place. So I was actually pretty impressed with him in the run game. The pass game was the polar opposite, so you don't want um, that big of a distinction in between the two. Uh, and then you have Beckton, obviously, who is he, he's really good in the run game. Um, I, like I said, some of the technical things that he needs to fix up um, in terms of like, you know, just torquing guys outside and trying to throw them instead of maintaining contact that showed up a time or two. But overall, um, he was just completely driving guys outside, getting them um, underneath the armpit, um, driving them with that right hand, extending that right hand and just running them completely out of the play, maintaining maintaining his contact more than he did um, in some prior games. So we see that steadily improving with Beckton, which is definitely a big positive for me. But, yeah, that you, you run behind Beckton. They run a lot of mid-zone um, to him, where they're basically the running back's track is right to his uh, – either split right between his ass or right to his – basically his right cheek is the running back's track from where he's running to. So if you have a five technique at the end on the outside of Beckton, if the DN knifes inside to the B-gap, Beckton pins him inside, they go outside. If, if, the, if the DN tries to – um, you know, set the edge of respected, then you know what's going to happen. If you try to set the, uh, set the edge of respected, he's going to get his hands inside of you. He's going to completely drive you outside. So that's what it did a lot. This game, a lot of mid zone, a lot of inside zone, and just ran it directly behind, um, you know, Beckton. And he, you know, dominated in the run game for the most part. So there's a, there's a huge positive. Um, and like I said, again, for the, for the young guys who were fighting to be 
you know, maybe that two, three, four on the depth chart next year, they definitely had a good game. Um, like you said, you know, first first time since what was it like week five? I think it was week week five or six or seven versus the Broncos in 2018 with Crowell, which I think he almost had like 200 yards that game because I was I was there. Um, but yeah, really really impressive game from from the left side of the line, and even this and even McGo- uh, McGovern too. McGovern had a pretty damn good game. Um, it wasn't it wasn't in terms of like highlight tape type plays, but. He did a really good job reaching, you know, the play side uh, nose tackle, like the one technique. He did a really good job with his with his footwork, whether that be a bucket, uh, bucket steps, or um, just kind of scooping them out of double teams. He did a good job getting play side leverage, running his feet, working his hips, um, you know, shooting his right hand hand into the you know air quotes V of the neck. Like he had his good technique, really good speed, um, and good lateral agility to get in front of. Uh, uh, get in front of the play side nose tackles. So I think that whole side of the the left side of the line from McGovern um, to Beckton did a really, really good job this game in the run game and definitely opened up some holes for uh, those running backs who took advantage of it. And like I said, with Gore, Gore is a guy who clearly, you know, clearly at 37 years old, he doesn't have the burst um, and, and the agility you know, he once had. So you put a guy like Ty Johnson in there who can hit the hole faster than he can, you know, a, a run – that might have went for for four yards or five yards, you know, because Gore can't hit the hole as quickly as Johnson does, and the defense closes it on hole and tackles him because he doesn't really break a ton of tackles. Where I said like Ty Johnson can hit it, you know, and be it be uh, be out of that hole a split second before Gore would have been. So that that four yard run now turns into to nine. So that's really what was happening. It was, it was a similar situation where the offensive line has been blocking that good, but Gore just can't take advantage of it as much as you know the young guys with burst can. So it's definitely impressive to see. Joe, we know what you think of the run blocking from this game, but what about the pass blocking? What do you think there? And let's talk about the passing game in general. Sam Darnold seemed like a typical game for him. We saw some nice plays. He had the two touchdown passes to Crowder. He had the touchdown run, but more sloppiness. The fumbles, the interceptions, missing open receivers. And then you take a look at the actual receivers. Jamison Crowder, who's been open a lot, but hasn't been able to take advantage of it because of poor quarterback decisions, finally got some touchdowns in this game, didn't have jaw-dropping numbers, but made five catches that were all either first downs or touchdowns. And Denzel Mims, he wasn't targeted a lot, but he made it count when he was targeted. Yeah, so Crowder, just to start with Crowder against the receivers, he was, Crowder was really good, um, really good route running. Uh, the touchdown was just on a, he, he ran a, like a, basically a stop route. It was a, a, of a spot concept, which is um, a triangle read. So the, uh, Darnold actually read the defense pretty well there. He just read the leverage. The linebacker or defensive back stayed inside. Another one carried the flat route. And then you had two guys deeper. So he knew he had, he had Crowder open, some good processing there. Um, hit Crowder, pretty easy touchdown. The other touchdown, it, they uh, ran a tight inverted uh, slot formation uh, where you basically had Mims on scrimmage and Crowder just you know outside of him, but um, really tight to his hips. But like, like I said, a little bit behind him, you kind of had um, Mims push up field, which made the corner that was in man coverage on Crowder decide um, to go inside or outside on Crowder once Crowder kind of released and went directly behind Mims because again. If uh, you know Crowder goes to the inside, he has to. He kind of had to guess that he was going to go to the inside. So Crowder did a nice job, um, releasing with speed right behind of Mims, and it seemed to be an option route. Um, you have a lot of teams who will do that, run that like that push route, and then the option route behind it. So that's what it seems like they did. Again, it's hard to guarantee that it was an option route um, on that play, but you have the corner who guessed inside. Crowder cut outside, touchdown, pretty damn easy. Um, Mims also ran a pretty good route on that play. 
in terms of pushing up field and had a nice break in terms of his um, actual footwork on on the break and the drive steps. So good job by Mims in that play too. Who, like you said, got open a couple of times, but Crowder um, middle of the field a couple of times too, ran a couple of slants um, that were really nice in terms of his footwork. Um, I think one, he, he used a couple of different techniques this game, which was nice too. And one was like, a, I'm not, people are not going to know what I'm talking about really, I don't think, but uh, the one he was using a foot fire slash dead leg release, which was really nice, you know, eight of space, broken side, uh, caught the ball. The other one, he just closed space really, really quickly, used a hop step, uh, kind of just which screws up the DB's timing in terms of where he thinks your feet are going to be. He screwed up his timing, breaks inside, catch. Uh, that's where he kind of rolled for the first down. Uh, so he did a really, really good job this game. Mims, like you said, uh, didn't produce a ton, but when he was called upon, he – you know, uh, produced and he got the two point conversion, which I don't think counts in his stats. So the route running was pretty good this game. There's another route, I believe on the left side where it was kind of another situation where I said the route break wasn't perfect, but he got out of the break pretty quickly. And this one, he actually committed to his stop steps a little bit. I don't know if everybody remembers when I talked about that last time, but he improved his route running slightly on the same route. He ran versus the Patriots where he caught the ball over the middle. Um, that was a play right before Perryman did that stutter because everybody, everybody thought that, you know, the defense of the Patriots thought that, that uh, Perryman was going to run that same stop route that, that Mims did. So if you remember that play, he did the same thing to the left uh, the left side this time. And he actually had some better technique, which was good to see. Obviously, you want to see your guys progressing, which I've been seeing from Mims regardless of the stats. Uh, so he did a good job. Perryman had the drop, but overall he had another, uh, a couple nice other routes. The, um, I believe it was like the first play or one of the first plays of the game for the Jets where he ran that over route, uh, did a really good job with his footwork. Again, it was, it was another hop step. He does a hop step all the time. Um, <clears throat> you know, holds his line, pushes up field. The DB tries to match him. He breaks inside. The DB gets tripped up on his feet and falls down. So he kind of broke his ankles a little bit, which was, which was nice to see. So I think all the receivers played pretty well. Um, Darnold, he did okay. Um, obviously, the the one play with the with the interception, it was not a good decision. I don't, you know, there's a, there's multiple factors to it. Where yeah, should Perryman have attacked the ball a little bit more? Yes, but also when the ball was there, he did try to play DB. It was just a really really nice pick by Mullen. Um, but at the same time, Donald cannot see a DB with inside leverage on a on a short hitch route <clears throat> and throw the ball inside of Perryman. Now there was pressure quickly, so do I get throwing the ball there um, to Perryman? I could I could make the case for it, but the problem is ball placement. Like it, you could have a bad throw versus a good throw, or a good decision versus a bad decision just based on ball placement. And if, if he's going to break inside the corners and the corners inside, where do you want to think you want to throw the ball outside? Like it, it's as simple as that. And he threw the ball inside. If he was to throw the ball um, kind of to the first down marker, because I think it was second and three on that play, or second and four. So if he was to throw the ball, he and, and Perryman broke about a yard or two past the first down marker. So if he was to throw the ball a little bit shorter to the sideline and outside that, it, that it made Perryman attack the ball, but only where Perryman can catch it. Um, and he caught it, you know, great. If not, and, and Perryman didn't work back to it, then that's Perryman's fault. It's not on Donald, but you can't put it inside right there. It's a bad decision right there. The one fumble was not his fault. The one sack um, was not his fault either. Um, I know a lot of people thought that that, that sack was on Ty Johnson um, where it was a play action. But to me, looking at that play, I'm going to blame it on Elfline. There was literally no way that, that Ty Johnson can carry out that play action and, and move laterally to pick up that linebacker. There's literally no way. So um, Elfline let that linebacker you know, cross right across his face. So I want him to take the most immediate threat, not the secondary blitzer, because that's the guy who's obviously going to threaten the play action. So, again, I don't know exactly what the Jets' offensive line calls are there, but I would put that on Elfline before I put that on Johnson. So um, that stack wasn't Donald's fault. Again, the one fumble was not his fault. 
because they got there pretty damn quick. The other fumble, uh, I forget exactly what the happened with the offensive line, but the other fumble was not his fault. Uh, or sorry, the one was the other one. Uh, the one was the other one was where he was reading the left side of the field, and I forget exactly what the route concept was, but Barrios um, broke inside on like a whether it be a stop or a hitch or you know a snag route, whatever it was. He broke you know broke over the middle, and you clearly see in the film Donald look at him and then pass him off to look a deeper down the field. He takes the sack, um, and it was more more of like one of those air quotes coverage sacks. So. I don't know why Donald didn't take it. So if you have a guy open across your, you know, right across your face for what could have been a six, seven yard gain and you pass on it to look deeper down the field and you take a sack, then that's kind of your fault. So I don't know why he didn't throw the ball to Barrios. Like he has some of those mental lapses where you see guys, you know, running wide open and, and he'll skip on them, not throw it to him. He'll stare down receivers. Um, there's plenty of problems. There's another, I, I don't know if it was a sack or it was actually on his five yard scramble to the right sideline. If you remember that play, that, uh, that play, he, the Jets run a uh, flat seven concept, which is just a variation of smash. It's a pretty simple concept, high-low read. And uh, just based on the leverage of the DBs and the linebackers, he should have skipped on that read really, really quickly, um, just, just based on everybody's leverages. And again, it's a pretty simple concept to read. He stays on it way too long, which again, way too long in the NFL is the difference between two seconds and three seconds. So he stays on it uh, too long. And if he were to skip on that read, you have Mims breaking across the middle. On a big route, he missed it because he was locked on to his first read, again, which was a pretty simple one. So uh, Donald was, was up and down. But, again, like I kind of compared it on my show. Like if you had a scale of like the Trevor Lawrence scale and you had good games versus bad games to weigh out that scale to keep Donald, this is still one of those games where I'll put it on the bad side because him playing okay but still having a really bad pick, a really bad fumble, being locked on to read, you know, things like that, you know, even though he had a good player too, or maybe even three or four or five, um, it still can't be about even with the good players. So I need to see really consistent games from him. And this was not consistent, even though it was, you know, it called okay if you want to. So I um, wasn't overly impressed with Sam. Thought the receivers played generally well. Uh, the pass blocking, uh, Becton, you know, the, he, uh, pass blocking, he was, he was okay this game. Uh, obviously he got beat by Farrell a couple of times. Um, the problem with him is, again, he, he, he kind of overreaches for guys where he, he reaches too far with his left hand and his left hand gets overextended. Uh, people chop down at the elbow. He doesn't have great control of it because obviously, you know, your arm being 100% extended versus 85% extended, uh, you're going to have more control at 85. So when he reaches 100%, he, he tends to lean his upper body a little bit into it. People chop his hand um, and then they're able to, to control him a little bit. He also opens up his chest a little bit too much to guys. Um, and then lets them control the chest where he doesn't really trap them or chop the hand down like some other tackles will do. So he has to learn some, some more techniques to defeat long arms, bull rushes, things like that. Um, sometimes he had a problem with his feet where he opened up a little bit too soon. Uh, the, one, the one sack was definitely his fault. The other one, uh, he was put in a pretty tough position basically where uh, Elfline, if there is a stunt, you know, the, the, the picker or the crasher, whatever you want to call them, you want the initial offensive lineman to carry it a little bit. So you want them to kind of string it out, you know, get into their chest, move them laterally. You don't want them to, to crash really down, uh, hard down on the tackle. Cause that's what they're, that's what they're trying to do in this case on the TE stunt. So you kind of want the guard to carry it a little bit to give the tackle a little bit of time to recognize it. Uh, that's not what happened. Uh, I believe it was Farrell crashed right down to Becton. And instead of delaying the crash, uh, Elfline actually, 
kind of let him penetrate or, or kick right into Becton and actually pushed him into Becton. So Becton had literally no time to react to it. Farrell did a good job with his hands, keeping himself clean, uh, clear of Becton, pushed Becton out of the way, got a sack. So like, yeah, you know, it kind of, it looked bad, but it wasn't, you know, fully on Becton. I would say it was more on Elfland not, not carrying the pick. So, um, you know, not overall great game for Becton in the, in the past game, but it wasn't as bad as some of others thought, uh, others thought, but, Still overall, not what you want to see. Uh, Fenton was okay. Uh, McGovern, I, th- I thought, was pretty damn good this game. So that's a, that's a positive. Andrews and Elfline were, you know, terrible. But um, I think that's about it for the past game. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Shifting to defense, Joe, the coverage was not very good in this game, although we did see some nice things from Bryce Hall. He had some poor moments, but overall, encouraging signs. Obviously, the play that sticks out to everybody was the one at the end of the game with Lamar Jackson and Henry Ruggs, but I think that underscored a pretty poor day in coverage overall. Darren Waller going off for 200 yards. But the story of this one in terms of the quality of play for the Jets' defense was the interior defensive line because, once again, John Franklin Myers and Quinton Williams were just destroying dudes up front. Yeah, um, in, terms of the, in terms of the defense overall, um, Ashton Davis ran what, in the third quarter. He, he was kind of quiet this game. There, were, there was a player or two where I want to see him you know, kind of leverage himself better over over guys um, for when they do break. He is a little bit closer to their break where he kind of cheats too far, too far, in, uh, too far inside or too far outside. So I want to see a little bit better play of him there. Um, but overall, he was he was relatively quiet. Um, Marcus May, some touted him for a good game. Um, I'm not necessarily going to do that because you know the two of those um, deep shots, like he was he was in the blame too. The one to uh, to Aguilar uh, right before, which I don't know about you, Scott, but 
Um, not to be not to be too foul, but I think I still have diarrhea from that Raiders game. Uh, you know, rooting for the <laughs> rooting for the Jets to lose that. I don't I don't want to ever root for the Jets to lose that badly. But um, I was stressing out bad there, and then you see Carr, you know, overthrow that ball to Aguilar where he split Farley and May, and you know you thought that was the last shot. Like okay, now it's Fields, but um, that was on Marcus May just as much as 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 Farley. Farley kind of got stemmed outside, so yeah, he bit outside, but. Marcus May was uh, was responsible for that post too, where his eyes were locked onto Carr. Like he was not reading route concepts; he was staring at the quarterback the entire time. And then and then they, he had burned over his head, so that was a terrible play. And then I forget exactly what the concept was. Um, you know, on this other play that I'm going to talk about, but earlier in the game, I believe it, I, I think it was Aguilar too, where um, Marcus May kind of catches him uh, running by him deep down the field. And then he never gets his head turned around for the ball, and it kind of hits his bicep as he just throws his hands up. Um, but Aguilar had him by at least five yards. So you're talking about a safety who let up two deep shots on him, where, again, one, if Carr didn't overthrow him, it's an easy touchdown on a skinny post. Um, another one, you know, Aguilar runs, runs right by him and beats him. And if, he, um, if Carr timed it better, uh, it would have been another touchdown on Marcus May. So you're letting up two deep touchdowns, and then you have also the play – <clears throat> where um, where Hall, you know, I think I think uh, Waller ran like a stop or, or a short hitch, and <clears throat> you know he hit Waller on the right sideline. You have uh, Hall who tried to kind of punch the ball out. It was a little bit too late, but he tried to swap the ball out before securing a tackle, which is obviously a rookie mistake by him. He runs up the sideline. Um, Marcus May is not able to tackle him. He stays a little bit too far inside and gets and gets faked out by a head fake and less of a touchdown. So you're, you're talking about a safety who get who got could have gotten beat for two touchdowns and did get beat for the third because he's the last line of defense and, and, and barely even touched the tight end who juked him. So um, not a good game. That's not a good game at all. Uh, and there's been a few more times where that's happened to Marcus May where people didn't realize it, you know, a couple of weeks ago where, you know, he takes a bad angle um, on the Chargers game to Mike Williams and, and crashes into his own guy. That uh, doesn't make the tackle. You know, the Chiefs game, he, he was beat for um, a potential touchdown because his eyes were locked into the backfield. Uh, again, that could have been another one. The Bills game where Quinn Williams got the got the pressure, um, and there's a guy who got behind Marcus May, but Josh Allen couldn't stop him step into the throw because of the pressure. So again, it's hard to see safeties deep in coverage on broadcast. But Marcus May has been okay. Like I, I think he's an okay safety, but I don't think he's much more than that. So the people so for the people who think he's worth ten, eleven million dollars a year, and he's one of the best starting free safeties, I, I couldn't disagree more. I, I think he's an average safety. Um, so that's just my opinion. Um, the corners, uh, Jackson obviously struggled. He bit on a double move, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. Um, not a good job by him, but also not a good job by your defensive coordinator, not recognizing that you have an undrafted free agent versus, versus first-round pick. But, again, we might get to that a little bit in the future. Um, so he, he struggled. Mollett struggled. Hall, you know, struggled a little bit more in this game. But, listen, like, like I said, he's getting beat by guys like Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Devontae Parker, and they're making him shadow guys like, you know, Darren Waller. Like, they, they have faith in this kid. Um, he's staying square. He's, you know, he's, he's getting his hands on. He's shuffling with guys. You know, he might open his hips up a little bit too soon. He might not be the best athlete, but overall, um, that's why I don't think he'll ever be like a true number one. But I think Hall could be a really, really solid number two, which is fine. Like even even as a late first round pick, second round pick, if I can tell you, you're, you know, let's say the Jets take a corner at 21 or 25 or whatever it is this year, and I told you he's going to be a really, really solid number two. Like, yeah, he might not be Revis or he might not be Patrick Peterson like you'd hope for. But I think just hedging your bets, you'd probably take it, Scott. If I, if I could, if you know, maybe I'm just putting words in your mouth, but a solid number two is is a is, is a very valuable piece because mm-hmm. obviously it's a starter. So, 
Um, I think I think Hall is on that trajectory. Um, the in terms of the rest of the defense and the middle linebackers, I think Hewitt um, in the run game is pretty solid, but in the pass game is not. Lange got abused this game by Waller. Um, the outside linebackers didn't really do too much of anything. John Franklin Myers, um, he had a, he, I know he was like labeled like ten pressures. I wasn't as impressed as the stats would indicate. I, I thought he had a good game, but I don't think he was a like, ten pressures always to the quarterback elite type great. Like I thought, I thought he was solid, but. Um, I thought he was covered up on on a few of those plays where they they thought they might have been pressure. So good game, not fantastic. Aaron Donald type game, like the stats would indicate. The rest of the defense line, uh, Quentin Williams obviously has been absolutely dominant. I know you do the numbers with Nelly and all that stuff. So I don't have to bring up the numbers, but what the way he's producing is ridiculous. Um, a sack this week. Uh, I think he has three sacks the last couple of weeks. Tons of pressures, tons of tackles for losses. It looks like we were right about him, Scott, which is definitely a, a you know a plus. And I know you you put up the player or tweeted the player or whatever of him basically beating three guys. Uh, it's, it's kind of hard to explain the entire playoff off of this, but it was like a stunt where, you know, the, the center, he was trying to pull the center into the guard. He held off the center's hands, you know, uh, closed ground on the guard. The guard was just throwing like a check hand, just his right hand. He wasn't really full, throwing his full body into the block. Corey Williams was controlling the center's hands while controlling the, the check hand of the guard. Um, once the pick took place, he, he, he tightly looped inside. The running back picked him up. He lowered his his body into the into the running back, sent him flying backwards. The right guard then tried to basically like, almost like like hockey check Quinn Williams. He did. Quinn Williams was still able to to maintain his balance, um, continue upfield. So good power and balance by him. The running back then shot again um, to him. He shot a little bit too shallow. Uh, Quinn Williams recognized it, clubbed him, went around him, sacked. Like it was it was awesome, and that was right before half. So. Um, He's been really, really, really impressive, Scott. And, and what we talked about a lot with him pre-draft and even post-draft was his technique. And and the first year, it looked like he was swimming a little bit, where he was just trying to lay his hand into lay his hands into guy and just drive. And his technique wasn't showing up. Um, now his technique, and I know I haven't talked to you the last couple of weeks, which you know again I want to hype up guys like Bryce Hall and Mims because they're awesome, and Quinn Williams especially. Um, and Quinn Williams the last couple of weeks, just in general. Uh, including this game, so it doesn't really matter. His technique has been great. Linking the feet and the hands like we talked about pre-draft, you know, uh, you know, whether it be the right and the left or the left and the right, you know, uh, throwing a, a club with the right and then stepping through with the left as he rips with the left, like the, the, the connectivity kind of of his hands and his feet is really impressive. Um, he had, he, you know, the, the power showing up where he's bowling guys backwards and then whatever – their main point of contact is on Quinn Williams, whether it be his left or the right hand. You could see him um, attacking elbows. So uh, one of the players, you know, the guy had a main, his main path, you know, Quinn Williams bowled him, um, his main source of uh, contact, the, I'm talking about the center of the guard, whatever it was, was his left hand. You can see Quinn Williams' right hand come up to the elbow, um, kind of torque the elbow up to, to relieve some of that pressure. And as he relieves some of that pressure off of his chest, he steps through with his left, rips, turns a corner, um, showing nice bending, and gets the hit on a quarterback. Like He's starting to do that stuff that we saw at Bama, so I'm ridiculously excited for him. Real quickly, Joe, before we run, take us through that final play since you had mentioned that you wanted to expound upon it a little bit. What exactly happened there? Yeah, well, I can tell you right now there wasn't a spy on a quarterback. <laughs> Some of these people on ESPN and NFL Network are saying. Um, you had Waller who... Um, was checked into protection because Carr noticed a potential um, blitz coming and Farley was spying him. So um, Farley was not spying the quarterback. Sorry, he was, not, he was not spying the quarterback. He was green-dogging. So basically, if he stays in the block, he blitzes. Um, 
but he was just in a situation where he wanted to make sure that he was staying into block because if he, you know, in a cover zero situation did release, um, then obviously it would be, it would be pretty bad. He'd gain a lot of yards at the same time. He'd have to run into bounds. So you kind of have to take your, your, you have to outweigh the risk versus rewards because at that point, yeah, sure. Check it down to Waldo. There's 16 seconds left. He could run for 25 yards and then the game is over. So, uh, Farley, uh, was way too hesitant. You had the defensive, you know, obviously you, you had the, um, the rest of the guys blitzing. So you had three guys in coverage. You had seven blitzing had Farley green dogging. So, um, the blitz didn't get there. Uh, they all got washed out either to the left or to the right, which can't happen. You, you let cars step up into the pocket, which in that situation you definitely do not want. So I wanted guys to hold their ground a little bit more. Um, but they were all just trying to penetrate hard and get to them. And, and the Raiders did a good job blocking it up. And then obviously you have, you have, um, you know, a guy on Lamar Jackson versus Henry Ruggs on the left sideline and Henry Ruggs just runs the stutter go. And, you know, Lamar Jackson, like, you know, you can, obviously you, you want him to see, you want to see him be smart in that situation. Like just stay over the top, even if he does stutter, but to him, you know, I'm sure practicing that play, he thinks, okay, all out blitz, the blitz is going to get there. If he's in a break either inside or outside, I'm going to drive on it because the blitz should be getting there. So like that's, that probably what, even if he wasn't thinking it, like just naturally, that's what he, he was doing. Um, and he bit, and then he obviously he got burned. So yeah, bad play by Jackson. But in my in my you know um, opinion, that's, it's it's the defensive coordinator's fault. You you're putting a guy an undrafted free agent, and one of the reasons he was undrafted was because of his lack of athleticism. You're putting a guy with a lack of athleticism on the most athletic receiver in the draft. You ran a four two nine or four two seven or whatever it was. So you can't put him in that situation. I know a lot of people will come out and say, oh well, if the blitz gets there, he gets sacked. The game is over. Okay, great. That, that, that's fine. But, but but then you have a huge risk where if that blitz does not get there, you have you have three guys in coverage versus three, and if you get beat, you're you're screwed. So I rather, and this is not just Monday morning quarterbacking. You rather be safe on that play. You, know, you can even blitz five and put three in the coverage, and and you know um, send two or three back along the goal line. Like that's that's fine. And you play the you play the sideline hard. You you play with hard outside leverage. So if they do gain thirty yards, they have to get up. And you have to, they have to spike the ball, which with 17 seconds, it's pretty much impossible. So the game is over. And then for the people who say, oh, well, it's a dig to the sideline. Okay, well, then they get to the sideline. Let's, let's, let's be generous and say they get to the, the sideline at the 30-yard line with, you know, with, with eight seconds left. Maybe they have two shots in the end zone. But, you know, would you rather take one-on-one coverage with a blitz on one play? Or would you rather take eight seconds left in the game on the 30-yard line to basically third and 30? Like, and then you just, you just play – basically like a green zone where you're playing really, really, uh, you know, far off the line of scrimmage and and playing guys deep into the end zone. So like, don't give me the, Oh, oh, well, if you get sacked, okay. Well, if you tackle them and bounce, like you can't put a rookie cornerback who lacks athleticism against the the fastest receiver in the NFL and expect him to, to win there, especially in that situation. So um, absolutely brutal call. I don't care who is is justifying. And there are some big wigs um, who are justifying that. Well, Oh, if the blitz gets there, okay, well, that's a big if, you know, if the corner covers well, it's a big if. Wouldn't you rather be safe and tackle them bounds? Again, I sound mad about it. I, I'm mad about it because of how piss poor of a call it was. But I'm also internally grateful. I'll probably build a statue of Greg Williams if the Jets do get Trevor Lawrence at the same time. So I'm happy with it. You know, <laughs> terrible call. But, um, yeah, it was. It, that's, that's a brutal call. Again, you know, oh, yeah, it's facing his quarterback. Okay, well, again, know your, know your players. He's undrafted, and this is like his third start against Henry Ruggs. So um, absolutely terrible. Joe Blewett, the host of Blewett's Blitz, 
over at JetsXFactor.com. As always, really appreciate you coming on and breaking down the film. If you aren't subscribed over at JetsXFactor.com yet, you really should because you can check out all of Joe's long film reviews. Sometimes they're between three and four hours. He goes into excruciating detail, which is very necessary right now when you're looking at who the Jets should build around going forward and who should be cast aside for next season. So make sure that you do that and also follow him on Twitter at JoeRB31. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.